Thank you, Sean. That was weak, man. You guys are, are really not believing him. What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 Very good. Thank you. Uh, we open with a prayer. Chaplain Lee's in the house. Come on and stand to your feet all over the room. Let us pray. Father, we thank you on today for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. We give you praise in advance. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you. We know, Lord, that there's no way we could have come this far without you. So we thank you just for being in our presence. We thank you, Lord, for directing us in the position of neutrality, the way we are supposed to go. We ask you now, Father, that you will come into this meeting and let each and every heart be open to receive what you have for them. We ask you to use your manservant in a special way. Speak throughout this place so that everyone that leaves here doesn't leave here the same with a mindset to be ready for change. We thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. Thank you, chap. So, well, welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Who's here for the first time tonight? Anybody? Oh, good. A whole bunch of you. Awesome stuff. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a very different experience here. What we do here We've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? God, you guys are sleepy. The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? And so what we're attempting to do is just show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. Fair enough? Yeah. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for folks that happened? So, there we go. So we got hands raised. For those of you online, you can't see their hands raised, but they're signifying that when we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. When you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without, without giving you a demonstration. So the other thing, Emily's all over it. The rest of you are going to have to catch up. When we say God around here, you say, you say power, because we don't want anyone's prejudice against certain theological terms to get in their way. We're seeking power, correct? If, if lack of power is my dilemma, then access to power is my solution, yes? So the other thing we got to do is we got to give a shout out to the 33,000 men and women in the Arizona Department of Corrections who get to... And the 7,500 men and women in Maricopa County Jail System. And then I know there's a little bit of a buzz around tonight. You came in, you saw a scripture on the teleprompter, and you thought, what in the world is Joe going to do tonight? And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. 
for years, half the original fellowship were people that were atheist or agnostic persuasion, and the other half were religious people that were dying in their alcoholism. And so over the years, we've talked to the atheist and the agnostic, and we've told them everything's okay and what have you, but we haven't talked to the people who need some scriptural evidence in order to grasp and develop this manner of living. There goes my water. So I thought because tonight is 10 and 11, for those of you who are offended by the fact there's a scripture in here, it was not my intent to offend. And to those of you who are relieved that you see scriptural evidence, I'm going to read it for all of us. Okay? So what it says, it's from uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, which you won't probably see on that screen. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, war as the world does. Who's feeling that? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay? So that's there to set the tone. We, we, many of us came up fighting with these. We're now going to get disciplined to fight with the fists of our mind. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to start on page 83 of the book. And we're going to go back through the ninth step promises and we'll see what their relevance is as we launch into the manner of living. Fair enough? So we're at the bottom of page 83. It says, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. <laughs> new freedom. Got a shout out. That's cool. How many of you here are members at New Freedom? Wow, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We really appreciate, we know what a grueling day you have, and we really appreciate that you guys come out and, and celebrate with us. Um, right? <laughs> Karen's nodding back there. Karen had a grueling day, too. Um, how many of you are graduates back here to help us? We, we, we appreciate you guys. How many of your staff in here? Coming back pouring into people. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Um, so it says we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's new mean? Unlike anything we've ever experienced before. So we like to call that to your attention because the step nature, the nature of this manner of living is all inclusive, right? So what did I ask for in three? Relieve me of the bondage of self. And by this stage of my development, I'm getting free of self, limiting thought, being oppressed in the world. Yes? Okay, they're talking about states of being. Will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and are working with others? How many of you have found that there was use for some of the most trying times of your life to lift somebody else up? 
So it says, it says we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Think about those words, comprehend and know. Think about what serenity is. Difficult to define, isn't it? Because it's a state of being. If you look it up in the dictionary, it'll say something like, see serene. So they're talking about a state of being that we'll enjoy. We'll comprehend serenity because we'll experience serenity. We'll know peace, not a knowing, but a knowing. Yes? Okay. It says no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. I'm in a room full of people who went some distance down the scale. How many of you have found even just doing what you do to get in here and what you do around here that you're able to lift people up when they're struggling? I'm feeling you guys powerfully in here. Anyone else feeling what I'm feeling? That's the power we call God. We told you we'd call it to your attention. Okay. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Any of that happening for any of you? Yeah. Starting to feel a little purpose in your walk? Yeah. Starting not to feel so bad about what life dished you because, by golly, it prepared you? Yeah. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll suddenly realize that God is, is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So that's the entirety of the ninth step promises leading us into this tenth step walk, right? So they, they start with a question, are these extravagant promises? They are extravagant promises. And because we come from a place where we may have exaggerated things, they wanted to call our attention. This may sound like exaggerations, but just as we proved in this room, many of us are actually experiencing those states of being as we go on about our lives, aren't we? So we need to call that to their attention. This isn't something you were supposed to experience off the wall. You're supposed to experience it within you and, and start realizing what new freedom and new happiness really is. Okay. So then it says they're being fulfilled among us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always, always materialize if, if we work for them. All right, so then it says, this thought brings us to step 10. So one might ask, what thought? The ninth step promises will always materialize if we work for them. This is also an operating manual for a very complex machine. If it's not working, what's going on? I'm not in discipline. If I'm not experiencing the promises, I'm not in discipline. Does this make sense? Okay. So it says, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So it uses the word continue. If I can, I'm continuing, when did I start? Fourth step, they showed me how to take a personal inventory and set right new mistakes, continue to do that. When did I learn how to do that? 
eight and nine when I learned how to set right old mistakes. Yes? When did they suggest we do it? They said as they go along. More than every day, every minute of every day. We demolish strongholds by taking captive the thought. We're going to get into that. Okay. So it says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. What does vigorously mean? Got to get serious about not luxuriating in useless thought patterns. Yes? Okay. So we have entered the world of the spirit. That's declarative. Half of them were atheists or agnostics in the beginning. Declared. They didn't say some of us have entered the world of the spirit, did they? We have entered the world of the spirit. What is it like to have entered the world of the spirit? I don't regret the past and I wish to shut the door on it. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity has disappeared. Fear of economic insecurity has left me. That's what it feels like. Is that making sense? Okay. So then it says our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So you might ask yourself understanding of what, effectiveness at what. How many of you have grown an understanding of yourself as having been sick rather than bad or whatever? How many of you have grown an understanding of other people when you found people would do things for you without price? How many of you have grown an understanding of what people were talking about when they used the word God when you realized they were talking, talking about an experience within them? The subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. I'm not talking to you about something I don't know. I'm talking to you about something I do know. Yes? So this is not an overnight matter. Guys, the whole chapter is called into action. You're going to act your way into better thinking. Your whole addictive cycle was about you trying to think your way into better acting. didn't work. So it's going to come on you gradually, but we're going to have to start picking up these disciplines. And first, someone's going to have to explain to us what the hell they are. Yes? Okay. So then it says, it should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Sean always contends with that, and, and, and he and I are not in an active argument, but it's spanned decades. Uh, I contend that I always could spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, but I always saw it in you. I didn't realize that I was seeing through the lens of my thoughts. Does that make sense? So what it's going to tell me in my practices now is that I'm going to continue to watch for those things, but when they crop up, notice how they didn't say if these crop up. When these crop up, we ask God, we ask power. Where's the power found? Deep down inside. Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So we ask God at once to remove them. See how I'm demolishing strongholds? When selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear crop up, I demolish that stronghold. Take captive every thought and submit it. Get my vision cleared up. Does that make sense? We discuss them with someone immediately. 
and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. We don't have the steps on the wall here, but I always like to point out that there are none of those steps that suggest I can do any of that stuff. I've admitted in one that I'm powerless, so there's nothing I'm going to do, but what I can do is turn my thoughts to others, because I can see your plot when I can't see my plight when I can't see my own. And if I have a sincere desire to help you, the power to help you will flow through me. Not a theory, it's just what happens, right? Okay. So they've just told us what the principles are we're going to practice in all our affairs. Did you catch that? It is not the long list written by Bill 15 years later, no matter how many times we teach it. It's right there. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. That's the principles I'm going to practice in all my affairs. It's starting to make sense to you now. Because everywhere I go, there I are. So I'm going to have to continually demolish strongholds in order to serve. Am I not? Okay. And then they got some promises for us. It says love and tolerance of others is our code. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. That's declarative, isn't it? And two, I was just hoping for that. Could happen. Look at the way the step's written. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore me to sanity. I've had people ask me over this why they say could. Well, because I've got a part to play. Am I practicing these principles in all my affairs or am I not? Am I working for it by taking captive every thought or am I running around in self-condemnation or some kind of superiority complex. Okay. So it says, uh, we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we'll recoil from it as from a hot flame. Think about the condition they're witnessing to. If those two conditions are present, what's the chance that you could use again? In that moment, it's impossible. And just here's a little secret. You're never not in this moment. Even when this moment passed, you'll still be in this moment further down the chain. So I'm seldom tempted, but when tempted, I'll have a normal response. I'll recoil. Does that make sense? How many of you have experienced that? Like you didn't have to have a reason at all to go use. You just went and used. Like they'd let you out of jail or out of the detox or whatever. You're on your way. Maybe you're using on the way out the door. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit of Reprieve, and somebody puts it out, and you're like, nah, I'll pass. How did you do that? You didn't, right? It was, it was removed. I'm always amazed by the people who can tell me how they stayed sober today. Dude, if I knew how to do that, I'd have never come to these clubs. Okay, so... We react sanely and normally, and we'll find this has happened automatically. How many of you would have a hard time believing a description of you from certain phases of your life as somebody talking about your reacting sanely and normally? We tend not to react appropriately in our addictive state, and even if we're clean or dry, we tend not to. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Like the house can be burning down and we are chill. 
but let somebody put something out of order on our shelf and we go right the fuck off, right? All right. So it says, we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. So in time, they're promising a new attitude towards liquor. Anyone get to a point where you're really not angry at drugs and alcohol? They're just not part of your world? That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. That's the place we want to reside, guys, in position of neutrality. Where, where I reside, there is no need for battle with the world. And when I'm battling with the world, I have moved out of my residence. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. What's the problem? Yeah, I mean, there's as many answers as there are people in here, but selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles driven by a hundred forms of fear. See, here's the thing. If you're doing your 12-step stuff right, my friend Tyler tells you, if you're struggling, you're doing it wrong. They just told you. Here's what's up. We, we ain't struggling. I never win that fight. When I wrestle with my addiction, I strengthen my addiction. What I do is I connect, yes? And then they're, they're telling us that this position of neutrality, safe and protected, has nothing to do with me. I'm filled with power and purpose, therefore I have no need to go out in the world looking for my ease and comfort. Make sense? Okay. So then it says the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor we afraid. So they're getting back to that fear problem, aren't they? What the whole point is is, Step three, the decision I enter into, I have a new employer and being all powerful, he provides what I need as long as I keep close to him and perform his work well. Now we're learning what the work is. If you love me, feed my sheep, help people, tell people what's been done for you and through you. And, and fear is only present when I don't know who I am and whose I am. So anytime I'm in fear, I've lost my identity temporarily. Does that make sense? Okay, so we want to stay awake to who we are and whose we are. All right, so that is our experience. That's how we react so long as we're in fit spiritual condition. So they didn't mince any words. If you're fighting with the world, there's something the matter with your spiritual status. Talk to somebody, and if, if you can't get it worked out with the power within you, talk to somebody else, right? All right, so it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. What do they mean? Yeah. Laurels are just past celebrations, right? So it is easy to let up on the spiritual program. How many of you thought sometime today someone else caused how you thought or felt? There you are. You, you let up, right? Because that's not, it can't be, right? What the world is doing is reflecting how I'm already thinking and feeling. It's not causing it, so I'm going to have to get my thoughts out of the way. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean we're not going to go through some crap. 
Just because you grow spiritually doesn't mean you're not going to go through life like everyone else is still preparing you for where you're going. But if you know who you are and whose you are, you know that the preparation you're going through isn't punishment, it's purpose. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. How many of you have discovered that? Alcohol and other drugs is waiting for us in case we stray out in the world. So it tells us we're not cured of alcoholism. Why not? You know, there's no one ever wants to have an allergy cured anywhere else. <laughs> and any other, if you're allergic to peanuts, you don't eat any fucking peanuts. <laughs> and if you do, you swell up and you have to you know, get an EpiPen. But alcohol, drugs of some sort, for some reason, even though I know my reaction to them is abnormal, that does not prevent me from doing it over and over and over. So there's never been a cure for allergic reactions. They never even looked for one. They just suggested permanent abstinence would be good for you. Which was absolutely a good observation in my case, perhaps some of you. It was a physical impossibility also. Does it make sense? Okay. So what they're going to tell us is about our maintenance of our spiritual condition, this very teaching here. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. What is a reprieve? I'm not going to kill you today. <laughs> How many of you did your best to kill you? How many of you would have to admit that if anyone did to you what you did to yourself, you'd take them out and want to kill them? So it's not over, it's not hyperbolic to say I have a daily reprieve because I was devastating to me. Anyone else? Okay. So it tells us a little bit about this journey. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How does one carry the vision of God's will into all, all of our activities? Yeah, consciousness. The vital sixth sense. Right, right there on the screen for those of you who read that other book. I don't know how many calls I've had around that very thing. The lady in the third row back had, wrote it in meditation with a friend scripturally based, almost the same thing, didn't know we were going to have it on the screen. This is something the Spirit wants you to know, that this is what this walk is. So how do I carry the vision of God's will into all my activities? I keep my thoughts disciplined, lacking selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, I participate by asking that they be removed and turn my thoughts resolutely to someone I can help. Does that make sense? And then it says, what they do simply in the prayer is how can I best serve thee, thy will, not mine, be done. The not mine is in parentheses. Why do you think they did that? They wanted to call our attention to they're going to leave us in a little delusion for a time before that delusion passes. By the end you'll realize there's not God's will and my will. 
there is God's will and my opposition to it. Does that make sense? So, and that doesn't make you evil or bad. It just means that we think in our finite state that we know more than the infinite. And so we assume we figured out a better way than the way it is. Okay. And if you don't talk in King James language, don't trip. They wrote in King James language because the time it was written, talk to this power within you how you talk to this power within you. Yes? Okay. Then it says, these are thoughts. So what thoughts? Thy will, not mine, be done. Those thoughts must go with us constantly. What's constantly mean? All day. It's not an evening review or a morning wake up. It's the wake up they're talking about is my spiritual wake up. Does that make sense? These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. That's a promise and a warning. God never wanted your will. Sometimes he wants an extra push from you. You may run into opposition in the world to do the right thing. Have you ever had that happen? You still had to do it, didn't you? I mean, you didn't have to. You could go the other way. But in order to get to the other side, did you not have to will yourself through some things that you were directed to do? Every one of you that wrote us and convinced us that you were a good candidate for new freedom had to do that where it was hard. People probably made fun of you at times and whatever. And yet, because you wanted a life beyond where you were, you did it anyway. And I call that to your attention so you'll know what they're talking about. That's the 1% I may need to give to move this thing forward. Right? And it is the proper use of the will. So it says, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. So what have they told us about that? We had to look within fearlessly. We had to follow through when we had taken that activity, that process, we would experience power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Is that starting to make sense? Okay. So if we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. That's a capital. His capital spirit. Capital S. How many of you have felt that flow of the spirit in here tonight? I know some of you have. Okay, so apparently you have carefully followed directions. Is that making sense? We want to make it real for you guys. I'm not a theologian. I am a running drunk that has a love for people who have been incarcerated. That's what I am. And, and I'm telling you, the spirit I'm sharing with you, he loves you more. To some extent, we have become God conscious. What is it to become God conscious? I'm aware. Consciousness is the awareness of being aware. I'm aware that I'm aware that this power is flowing in and through me, but it is not of me. Does that make sense? It says we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. Sean talked about it. Why is it vital? It's life. That spirit is life. 
How many of you were running around in your addiction and you would have to admit you were really dead without the sense to lay down? I was a completely dead man walking around aimless in the world. And this spirit came into me and all of a sudden I was new and moving. And my circumstances didn't change that radically. Not right away. Um, so they're telling us we've begun to develop Obviously, the ninth step of men process and starting to walk consciously is my fitness exercise. Does that make sense? I've got to start discipline in my thinking. I've got to start serving more radically than I had once thought. And then it says, but we must go further, and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So I've had a lot of people talk over the years, and I've heard them, and people want to explain meditation. Meditation is just the inner knowing what the answer is to your prayer. Most of us have said a lot of prayers and never waited for an answer or received it and thought we could improve upon it. Yes? Have you ever asked to be get, gotten out of a shitty situation? And you actually got your answer, except you had to go through the shitty situation to get out of it? Because the shitty situation was preparing you for where you're really going. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to add to it not only a listening to the gentle stirrings within, but then disciplining my thoughts to follow those stirrings. Does that make sense? That's what it means to take captive every thought and submit it. Okay. So we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So what's the proper attitude? They talked about it in the very beginning. Honestly want to and willing to make the effort. They'll know if I... They'll know, everyone around me will know if I honestly want it and I'm willing to make an effort because they'll catch me doing it. And if you don't understand what it is to pray and meditate constantly, understand that's what you're seeing me do right now. Because you're not hearing from me. You're hearing from the one in me. And I'm arguing with him in my thoughts. I can't say that to these people. What will they think of me? <laughs> but that's why it comes with power. For those of you more religious, that's why it has a signature on it. Okay. Um, so, if we have proper attitude and work at it, it would be easy to be vague about this matter. How many of you have heard people vague about this matter? How many of you have a little more clarity tonight as we walk through it sentence by sentence? Yeah. So we don't want to be vague. We want to be as, as complete as we can, and we also want you to feel free to come to us and ask us any time. If you're not getting it, we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up. Make sense? All right. So yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So one of the disciplines I start in first is not the constant thing. Just get into an evening review. Just see how the day go. Except constructively. I didn't always constructively review my day. I sometimes destructively reviewed my day. Or your day. They had me looking for these things all day long, but they knew I wouldn't. They knew I would slumber. So they're going to tell us in this evening review... Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? What did I watch for all day as I went along? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. 
That's how much grace we have, right? If I'm suffering at the end of the night, if I'd like to get a good night's rest, I might want to clear it up. Does that make sense? Then it says, do we owe an apology? How many of you did the inventory, realized you probably wronged somebody, then concluded, ah, fuck them? <laughs> so it's an opportunity to ask ourselves, apologies are not for you. Apologies, when sincere, are for me, so that I can untether from whatever it is I perceive you did. Um, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? <laughs> he says that, but the truth is, if we're working with people, Sean will say it, JJ will say it, any number, Paul will say it, Aaron will say it, all of you guys that I know are working with people, we will encourage you when you first start in this manner of living to call us every night and share, share with us our, your review. And it's not because we're legalists. It's because if you'll do it for 10 days or more, it'll become a habit or you'll quit doing it. Either way, you'll have shown everyone whether you're willing to grow yet or if you still need. Does it make sense? And, and you'll grow how you grow. But if you'll do that, I'll guarantee you who will do their review, whoever you call on. <laughs> Guys, we push each other through our steps. We're, we're connected in that way. Um, so, were we kind and loving toward all? How many of you started sharing with people how you were kind and loving toward all and then realized they were talking about in their thought life? <laughs> like, I was kind and loving if no one got shot today, right? But they're talking about how did I think? Does that make sense? What could we have done better? See how they're teaching me how to demolish these strongholds that that book's talking about. I'm going to be human. I'm going to blame you for the way I think and feel. I'm going to stay in that conspiracy. I'm going to stay in that thought loop. But the way I do it is get honest with myself. What could I have done better? What should I have done instead? Does it make sense? Then it asks, were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? See, I'm all from the moment I'm born, I'm dying unless I'm pouring into you. And then I'm I'm pumping into the stream of life. And if I'll pump into enough of you, I'll never die. Because I will leave a tradition of service that will outlive me and generations. We always talk about uh, Kevin Buchanan, who used to pastor here before Chap got here. He told people in these rooms that you are changing lives, men and women, who have not yet even been born. Because we, we break generational curses here and in recovery. Trust and believe that. Okay, so... Or were we thinking what we could do for others or what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. So if you get in a cycle of self-condemnation, it's still selfish. I mean, a lot of us are really good at giving, not very good at graciously receiving. And if it's more 
You know, if it's better to give than to receive, then we also have to be humble in our receiving. How many of you have gotten to a point where people had you on a pedestal and then you knew you weren't that person and then you're on eggshells again? Look, we are who we are, right? I'll guarantee you every one of us is going to have frailties. And we need to share those with people when appropriate. Does that make sense? Okay. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. Oh, that was weak. What happened? We ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So now I've told me what prayer and meditation is. If I'm going to ask and I know God's real because he dwells in me, then I'm going to expect an answer, am I not? Where am I going to get my answer? Probably going to, it's going to come to you in an intuitive thought or decision, right? Start to make sense? Okay. So then it says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. How many of you have woke up in the morning and had a brilliant thought that came to you, a revelation, and then you decided maybe I'll just go potty first, and it was gone? So you'll learn if you get those kind of revelations. It may be in your psyche or it may be a revelation, but you may want to awaken physically and spiritually at the same time. Does it make sense? So it says we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motive. So now I'm prepping my thought life for the day. Because we actually live out our life in our thought life anyway, guys. That's why we always feel younger than everyone else thinks we look. <laughs> Have you ever noticed, you go back and you see people that you know that are your age and they look really old? It's a freaking mystery. So before we begin our day, we check back in and ask that my thinking be directed, especially it be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Does that make sense? And the reason I want to do that, this is still transactional with me and this power, guys. This, the selfless, the getting rid of self is actually the serving. All the things they're suggesting I do is still taking care of me. That's why people think it's a selfish program. No, it's a selfless program. But selfless is very hard to achieve, in fact, impossible. It requires a power greater than me. The minute I'm aware of me, they are I am. But when I'm in full service to someone else and I'm focused on how to help you, it's absent self and then the spirit's sharing. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says, especially, oh, asking you to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. So if I employ my mental faculties, what's going on? My thoughts, my mind, the tool that is my brain is working for me, who's working for the divine. Now, if you don't do that, how many of you have found that your thoughts led you into difficult situations? So if I do not do that, take captive every thought and subordinate it to that power within me, what happens is my mind takes over and I'm the tool. 
So it's either your brain's the tool or you are. Pick one. Does that make sense? And what's it look like when the brain's running the show? I bet they don't like me. They probably know about that thing at work. Fuck them, I'll quit. <laughs> she doesn't like me. I bet she's cheating. I'm going to call that other girl. None of you ever did any of that? That's what happens when we're not the employer. When, we, when we're employing the mental faculty and we're working for the new employer, that doesn't happen. That's what you're doing. You're demolishing those strongholds. Okay. So under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life, now they're telling us how we really live. As spiritual beings in a skin suit, we live our life in our thought life. And it says, we'll be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So how will I know my thinking is cleared of wrong motives? Back to the promises, to his point. I'll know serenity. I'll comprehend serenity. I'll know peace, even in the storm. Does that make sense? Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? Because you're realizing you're already getting it, and people haven't necessarily always called it to your attention. We need to do a better job in our fellowships of helping people know this. Because they still think it's their frailty, and they don't have any frailty that isn't common to all men. What they have not been taught is the actual disciplines that elevate us to who we really are. Does that make sense? Okay. So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Has that ever happened to any of you? Some of you guys that are brand new here, you get here, you're a little frightened. You're feeling like this is overwhelming. That's normal. We're just telling you, as we go through the day, you may face indecision. Here's some disciplines for you. Does that make sense? So we may not be able to determine which course to take. Any of you ever have so many options that you were just frozen, didn't want to take any? Okay, so wouldn't it be nice to know how to rest in that instead of running that? So what it says is here we ask God for inspiration. What's that look like? Inspire me. May not go to my knees. You might have to. But, yeah, it's going to be right, right, right there in my conscious thought. Inspire me. And then it's going to tell us what that inspiration might look like. An intuitive thought or decision. Have you ever stopped just long enough because you knew where you were heading wasn't the right way? You don't know why you knew, but you just knew. And as difficult as it was, you stopped and you thought and then you got it intuitive thought or decision and you walked into it and it worked out? Yeah. Well, that can happen more of the time if you stay in discipline. That's their witness. That's mine as well. Then it says we relax and take it easy. How many of you have come from a place where you've got to be doing something all the time and if we're not doing something, I'm going to make up something to do? Okay, that's not always a good plan because sometimes we're tearing stuff up when we need to be just Watching what's up. So it says we don't struggle, right? Because we've ceased fighting anything or anyone. So we're not struggling even with our own thought life. We're just disciplining it. Does that make sense? Letting the thoughts flow. I've heard it said, and it's, a, it's not a bad analogy, go stand on the side of the road, watch the cars go by. You see the cars, you see the people in the cars. You're not in the car, you're not the car, but you see them. That's your thoughts. 
just going by. They got nothing to do with you. They're just going somewhere. That make sense? Okay. So it says, here we ask God for inspiration and to your father decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. And then we're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. Again, we act our way into better thinking. You may assume you have an answer because it aligns with what you were going to do anyway, and you'll find that gets you in a pickle. And you may actually stop and get a direction that seems ridiculous, and you'll move in the direction, and it won't seem so ridiculous on the other side. I tell you a story one time about the, the whole waking up, and I was sending passages of scripture out for lots of years, and I've sent them out to a group of people, still do it to some. But in um, this particular morning, I, I woke up at like 2 in the morning, and the 23rd Psalm was playing in my head. Now, those of you who don't know what that is, it's often associated with funerals. And I called my buddy, whose father was in hospice, at 2 in the morning, and I sent that scripture to him and just reached out for no reason other than I just woke up, and he called me back crying, and he said, thank you so much for that. My dad just passed. So it's very real, but I also have had things happen in my psyche. Does that make sense? So, so you're going to gradually grow into spiritual proddings, and anyway, it, it will happen. That's what they're telling you. So it says, it says the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. That's what it means to be spiritually awakened. What's the goal of 12-step recovery? Awakening spiritually. It was never abstinence. I don't live well abstinent. I'm never going to live well abstinent. I'm not wired that way. Living in this world and not being awakened spiritually, I have to anesthetize myself. I've proven it. But in service, in spirit, I experience a condition known as spiritual inebriation. Ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. Does that make sense? Okay. So being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God. Bad people ask, what do you mean relationship, not religion? Conscious contact. That's what we mean. I'm aware that I'm aware that I'm talking to a power in me that is not of me. But this power knows where I'm going, knows where I've been, for whatever reason, is still in the journey with me. Does that make sense? It's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. Why do they tell us that? And we are people, as a class, that want to be inspired at all times. How many of you went to the trap house to get inspired all the time? I'm not kidding. What do you think they call alcohol spirits? Very inspirational. I'm not going to be inspired at all times because sometimes are reflective times. I'm not going to be inspired at all times because sometimes are pressing times. All of them are necessary to get me prepared for where I'm going. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you have got an absurd action or idea? Carried it out, found out it wasn't so absurd. You want to hear of an absurd action or idea? Try and open a 400-bed facility for men and women freshly released from prison in the middle of the city of Phoenix. That was an absurd action and idea. God gave us a pandemic. 
so that we could steal resources from others. Had there not been a pandemic that many of you suffered greatly going through, we would have not gone to the zoning hearing where we required seven variances and got all seven without an objection. You know why? Because there was a pandemic. Nobody showed up. By the time they found out you guys were here, you were here. How many of you planned that? Wasn't very long ago, guys, there was no here to come to. Not like this. You guys are killing it out in the world. For well over a decade, the uh, reentry re recidivism rate has been 50% or worse. Since we've been open, we're coming up on our third year of programming in about 29 days. If you graduate from here, 95% of you won't be recidivist. And that, that is because of you. Because you're keeping close to him and performing his work well. All right, so nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. That's why I coached you early on. We act our way into better thinking. Look, you're going to struggle in your thoughts. We all do. Things are going to come, new attacks. The minute you finally think you're on the hilltop, there's a valley and another hill to climb. It's, that's the nature of where we're at. But stay elevated because it's going to get easier as you go. It's going to get progressively freer. Does that make sense? That's why they said we come to rely upon it. What are they relying upon? The plane of inspiration. Power from within. Does that make sense? Okay. So we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So what did they just tell me they do? Pray, meditate, pray. So now they're getting the principles we practice in all our affairs really simplified, right? Pray, meditate, pray. They're going to tell me another little thing we do. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. I've learned over the years not everyone can easily see why, but the reason the process is laid out like it is, where we make, start making amends to people for things we've done to them and what have you, is that that gets me spiritually fit. It makes me subordinate the ego and empower the spirit. And, and so a lot of times the difficulties I'm in, I want them removed and they're there to prepare me for where I'm going. Does it make sense? So then it says, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So how would I know if circumstances warrant? I'll either feel it or they'll ask. That's always a clue. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So don't set aside your religious practice if you have them for your AA practice. Just don't replace your AA practice with a religious practice. Because they're not, they're intended to deepen each other. Does that make sense? Okay, so if, if members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. So many of you have a meditation book and you do those types of things. 
don't replace your meditative practice growing in consciousness with that book either. I'm not telling you the book is bad. I'm telling you this is about your personal relationship, not somebody else's ideas. So if that helps you, fine, but start following what they're telling you so you'll grow. Does that make sense? All right, so there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. The very same reason that's on the screen tonight. I'm not saying that, that they're right. I'm just saying there are many instances in my life that I have found when I can biblically prove what it is these people are witnessing to. They absolutely are right. Now it's 2,000, 4,000, 10,000-year-old witness instead of 80 years. Does it make sense? And that confirmation in the Spirit is palpable. I can tell I'm on the right track. Yes? Okay. So then it says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. So here's some more principles we're practicing. Pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful. And then ask for the right thought or action. And that's what they taught us in the other watch, ask, discuss, turn. Turn my thoughts to someone I can help, ask for power to help. Make sense? All right. It says, we constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice there's no more, not mine. Why? Because the delusion of a will apart from God is now gone. I am now operating in identity. Does that make sense? I know who I am. I know whose I am. And therefore, wherever I am, I have authority to be. Okay? So it says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How many of you would like to be in less danger of those things? Because we hate to admit we're wrong, right? This is better. We've, we've become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So here's what they got a promise for you. I want you to, I'm going to stop with this. It works. It really does. That's it. Thank you very much.